Welcome one and all to the Track One Side One podcast. I'm your host, Gaz Jones. Today's guest is a music producer who's worked with such bands as False Heads, B-Sides, and he also was behind the new release from Excellent Under the Brave singer, Dave Jakes. He's also an amazing guitarist, an all-round good old boy. His name is Matt Skidmore. And as you'll see, it's another banger of a natter with five ace tunes discussed and debated. So please enjoy, and I'll speak to you at the end. Nice one. I feel kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. You're listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, your host, Gaz Jones. Each week, a guest picks their five favorite album opening tracks, and we dissect, discuss, and debate each one. So let's put on our classics and have a little chat then, shall we? And we are live. Sitting in front of me on my laptop screen, courtesy of Skype and that there interweb thing, is the lovely... Matthew Skidmore, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, doing well, thanks. Excellent. It's, like, it's really, really nice seeing you, mate. It's been a while. Before we get on your list, mate, I, I just want to ask you, uh, how hard was it getting it down to just five songs? Impossible at times. <laughs> it felt. Um, I'm, I'm a big list maker, and I would so I'd have like a running list on my phone. It, it would just be going round and round in circles. So it got to the point where I was just like, I, I, you know, I need to put this down. What's the first track you want to talk about, mate? I'm going to go for the oldest first. I'm going to go for uh, the real me, Quadrophenia by the Who. I think a lot, a lot of the tracks I've chosen, I, I realised that it was sort of totally tied with times of my life and sort of emotional things, you know, things that happen. And for me. There's a couple of things. So, like, Pete Townsend was probably the – well, it was the reason I started playing guitar. Okay. And, it, and it's also linked to my, to me, my brother, Phil. So he, he was the one that kind of – he's seven years older than me. He When he was, like, in his, you know, mid-teens, I was, like, eight, nine – and I just remember like hearing tons of music like coming from his bedroom next door, and my mum would like shout up the stairs in the evening, you know, Phil, turn that music down. Matt's trying to sleep, and I'd be like, No, I love it, you know. And there'd be like Happy Mondays or Inspiring Carpets, all this stuff. And I just, I'd just run in his room like and be like, What's this, you know? And then I just, it really started to like get my interest in music. And um, I can just remember, I don't know what it was like. Obviously, you know, back in it was like the the late eighties, early nineties. So like. It would have been on either on TV or VHS. But I remember he played me the, I think it was the, the Woodstock show, like the famous Woodstock Who appearance. Oh, okay, yeah. And and it really just sort of me interested in, in guitar and started to get me interested in music. So like, I, you know, pestered my parents to buy me a guitar yeah. and stuff. <laughs> but then, yeah, so with, with Quadrophenia, um, I remember his friends came over and they watched it and I, I snuck in and just sat by the side of the sofa, which I used to do quite a lot, nice. uh, and watched it. And then when he went to uni, so when he was like 17, 18, I guess, so I would have been like 10 or 11, I, I went down with him, like him, with my dad to drop him off. And on the way down, we were listening to Quadrophenia on cassette in the car. Nice. And I must have, I think I was just raving about it. When we hugged to say goodbye, he, he said, yeah, you can keep the tape. And, and that, like, for me, that was it. And so then it's all 
you're sort of wrapped up in that. But then you also bring into the like, you know, if I think in thinking about it now, it's like I have that sort of beginning of it. Plus, you just can't be in the film when it's like it cuts to Jimmy, like that first scene. And it's like the and he's like on his scooter and it's like lights on at night. And it's just, you know, makes my spine tingle. But then also, like now, I like think of it as it's a band at the top of their game. Keith Moon was still an amazing drummer at that point. He was still holding it together. I think I think the drumming on this album is some of the best that he ever did, you know. Just, just stuff like like um, it's that thing like I can remember hearing this stuff. You know, you know, like sort of you when you hear stuff like especially I think as a kid and you sort of get into music and listen to stuff for the first time and and it was sort of um, on, on like five fifteen where his drums sound like a train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and was, yeah. How's he doing that? You know. Mm. But yeah, like I, I when I came to make this list and I just sort of put it on, I was just like, you know, this this has to be in it because uh, it yeah. I just think it's it's such a strong song and it's just a bass solo the whole way through it. <laughs> so the, the most simplest thing in the song is the guitar. Pete Townsend is just whacking out like a load of power chords mm, mm, <laughs> and mm. the rest of the band are just going nuts, you know, like filling their boots. Yeah, so it's just that thing. I just think it's they're at the top of their game, you know. What are the characteristics that make a great opening track? Yeah, I, I've thought about this actually in, in the last, like, since you asked me. And um like I think it's interesting with some of my other stuff. Like I don't, even, I don't think they're necessarily the strongest track on the album, but it's there's something about it. And I think it can be totally different. I, I suppose like if you, if you think about, it's got to be like have like a, a, a real like solid hook. I guess if you if, like almost if you think about albums, say like Nevermind, yeah. Bonavard, you know, there's something so distinct about it that it, it's almost like a statement of intent. And I definitely think there's sort of there's something about that that I think makes a, a really strong opener. Just like like something that's that's kind of you know, are you going like yeah, you know, or, or is it getting you into it? So yeah, I reckon that kind of immediacy. That's probably a good word for it. Track two, mate. What do you want to talk about? Let's go for the next one on the top. Biffy Clyro, Joy Discovery Invention on Black and Sky. I think statement of intent actually is a good thing for this one because it was mm. this was one of those bands where. And it, it happened several times, like in my band playing career, like where I'd hear a band and it'd just be like, it, it would go from, say, like with, with The Who or Pete Townsend, where it was like an initial sort of first love. I'd hear something and it'd almost make me want to give up. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, like, I, I, I feel like it's, over, you know, like someone's done what I would consider to be the perfect sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for yeah. me, Biffy Clyro was one of those moments. It was like, mm. like I remember seeing them as with the other guys when, when I was in uh, the band The Mono Effect. And I remember we had, we had band rehearsal and then we all went to the boat race uh, mm. and saw that they were playing with, is it Minus? Oh, Minus. Oh, the uh, yeah. Icelandic bands. Yeah, they were yes. fucking great. Yeah. yeah. I remember it wasn't very busy, actually. But it was just like you, you could tell that you were watching something special. You know, mm. there was like, yeah. they were just totally spread out across the stage. You know, Simon Neal had his, all his hair like in his face. And, and it was just this sort of, yeah, something about it where it's just like, this, you know, this, this is a special band. And for me, this the, the first track on this album is is that. It was like that. It was almost like I don't know. It's like you know, without being sort of too um, emotional about it, it was almost like sort of sort of rediscovering music. You know, it was like this yeah. just sort of like wow, yeah. like yeah. really, like how how are they doing that? You know. Mm. And I remember at the time, like the whole all of us in that in that band were, were the same. It was just sort of like you know, 
wow, how, how do we even, you know, how do you even go about starting yeah. to write something like that? You know, like that, um, yeah. it's that, that, that thing, I guess, that's, you know, it's, it's so personal, isn't it, to everybody mm. like music. But, but yeah, for me, it was another band doing a, a quiet, loud thing that had obviously mm. been done many, many times before for yeah. years, you know. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I mean, another band that, again, like I was surprised didn't make the list was, was the Pixies, like uh, yeah. another band that I got into and it really sort of shaped kind of how I wrote songs or, or, or playing mm. guitar, you know, that, that mm. sort of thing. So, yeah, it wasn't like they were sort of doing something new, but they were, mm. the way they were doing it was it seemed pretty new. And it was like the, the first track, it's pretty, I think it, the guitar is like a, a kind of clean for like most of it. Again, yeah, it is. Sort of, yeah, first couple of minutes especially. And they just sort of all kicks off at the end. And um, for, for me, it's particularly like the first three albums are just quality, you know. Oh, yeah, they are. Because this album was uh, 2003. How incredible the British scene was at the time. With You know, you had Hellas for Heroes, Ruben, yeah, 100 Reasons, Biffy Clyro. As much as it's a dirty word now, you have to put Lost Profits in there at the time. Yeah, you know? sure, yeah. And like, I mean, who else was there? In Me, Raging Speedhorn. It was, it was incredible. I just think, like, guitar music... I mean, that was something, yeah, that was something really special, I think, like, kind of... It's kind of, like, just in my age bracket you know i suppose like the, the 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 kind of american sort of grunge and so i think at the time i, I was sort of i definitely had that influence from my brother but then also he like he was into like the more sort of uk like noise stuff a lot of the creation records things like um, nice. my bloody valentine nice. stuff like that and, and that was that was more like shoegaze was definitely more my thing like the the british scene i just think came into its own and is the importance of an opening track as we kind of first knew him when we were starting to obsess over music when we were teenagers. Do you think the importance of the opening track is something that's been lost in the digital age? And I'm, I'm, this, this, yeah. question, this question is kind of twofold. Well, kind of threefold, really. Your opinion, then followed by your opinion as like a songwriter, and then your opinion mm. as being a producer. When you hear a band, say, 10 songs that you're going to produce, can you automatically hear that, OK, that's going to be the opening song? I actually, I actually find doing, doing track order stuff really difficult in terms of like my work and sort of recording and producing and stuff like i think it's for me it's something i have to sort of listen to then go away from and then come back and you seem to know when something's not right you know like yeah. if two songs are sort of next to each other it's like oh, you know those two don't quite go i do think i really struggle with with doing track order and i mean i mean i suppose like i said before like if you just put a, a a banger first then mm. you, you can't go far yeah. along though do you think it's something that matters in this era of spotify we're in now yeah. i'm gonna sound like a, a middle-aged man now but that's I, all right we're so. all middle-aged men here it's fine <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it is it is like i you know i i subscribe i i subscribe to spotify and i still buy music i still buy i like a lot buying a lot of vinyl uh, i don't really buy cds much anymore and I, and I genuinely think that as a resource, things like Spotify and YouTube are, are amazing. Like I, I, I would have loved to have, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, been able yeah. to be like, oh, I want to listen to this. Yeah. And it's just there, you know. That, I mean, that's incredible. It's there on, um, your, fo on your phone, you know. It's, it's, yeah. You just type you know, in, it's like, it's there, done. It's mad. Like, uh, I remember, you know, it's like things like taping off the radio. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. You would never even know when, you know. Well, John Peel played like the the fall the other night, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like you know, just sitting there hoping that he's going to play something or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I do think like it is a shame, and I do think it has totally changed the way we consume. I mean, even with me, like I've noticed that my attention, I think my attention span's a lot shorter now. 
mm-hmm. uh, than it was. Yeah. Um, and and the same like I with music like I I still I must admit in my car I still like listening to albums and stuff and maybe like when I go out running or or even like putting an album on like cooking or whatever. Mm. But then at the same time I do totally you know I, I make uh, playlists and I do find myself skipping things a lot more. So I think yeah. it's inevitable that it's changing the way everyone consumes things and it is interesting isn't it because it's sort of like I, I i genuinely think with an album it's like part of the thing was was having the physical you know you would go to the shop and you'd yeah. buy it yeah. and then you'd take it home and you'd listen to it and you'd pull apart everything yeah. i remember like like radiohead that's that's a good example like the first two radiohead albums i remember buying them when they came out and just literally going home and sitting in the living room at home and my parents had this old, like, uh, brushed aluminium separates player nice. sitting with a big old pair of headphones mm. on. And I would just literally listen to it and just read from cover mm-hmm. to cover the inlay. Yeah. You know, and it'd just be this whole yeah. consumption thing. Track three, what do you want to talk about next? Um, okay, I'm going to go for my curveball. And I'm going to go with Tall Ships. T equals zero on uh, everything touching. And this, this was a choice that went in and out of the list a lot and this is this is definitely one of those things one of those records where it's not even i don't think it's the best song on the album is that it actually almost sticks out because it is more it's almost more shoegaze it's got that big sort of epicness to it that the rest of the album almost doesn't often have it's sort of the rest of the album's a bit all over the shop i think the next song doesn't have any vocals it's just i think it's quite an interesting album mm. like um and they're a band that i i remember seeing like at the great escape and then a couple of times at the portland uh, I, I genuinely think that they, they were a bit you know they, they deserved a bit more attention so I was, I was, they, they kind of came you know they disappeared then they came back and then they they split up didn't they like a couple of years ago but but for me it, it's like one of those that that tune it, it for me is a great example of what a first track should be yeah because it, it for, for, for me and my like my sort of music that i love like that kind of thing it just ticks all the boxes and it's like epic and it's i can still remember like hearing it for the first time and just being like who is this it, again it's just, it's that other thing of, of i think of, of that period as well in the sort of late 2010 there was that that again that sort of almost like renaissance of of guitar bands but people doing it a bit differently so you had yeah. all the really weird sort of angular almost a bit more indie sort of alternative rock like tube lord and, and bands like that but and i think they, they sort of really fitted in with that i think it's just for me it's one of those records where it just it's it's about the time as well and, and just this this sort of like i, I remember like you know it's, it's it's one of those albums where i remember playing it to several people and, and then they got into them as a result of me playing it you know so it's, it's almost like a a, fi- a feeder <laughs> song yeah. that first track because you just sort of go oh, check this out uh but yeah yeah just and, and it, yeah i think it's a bit of a curveball because because it is like i was looking at it now so like ode to ancestors i think is an incredible song that's probably my most favorite on the album so yeah it's one of those things where it, it, it doesn't really fit on the record <laughs> yeah it's it's an incredible uh, incredible song yeah, so that's kind of why I, I chose it. It, it. It's probably it's probably out there one of my top five songs, sort of just generally. I think mm. that tune. I've, I've I've definitely listened to it to death. And sort of yeah, continue coming back to it. When you sent your list through, uh, I'd never actually heard this song before. Oh cool! I'd, I'd never heard this album. Like you said, those kind of angular math leanings. I mean, this mm. song's it's it's a it's a proper bit of me this song and it you know it gets in there quick and it just yeah it yeah just totally kicks off you I, know. I, I love the fact that it's, it's like a mini epic in three and a half minutes 
There's like <laughs> there's no vocals for like the first couple of minutes. I love it. It's it's, it's like a, a riot of raggedy riffs and <laughs> having a straight up knife fight with battles in the pub car park. There's a lot of battles <laughs> yeah, yeah. on this song. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. especially when that kind of that big riff kicks in. Like a couple of minutes totally. in, it's just like, oh my god! And, and just yeah, and just like the real kind of backbeat drums, you know, just mm. smashing out. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And sort of, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can hear battles in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but the, the way the bass and the drums are so locked in. It's like there was only two of them, I think. So like the singer and the singer used to play. He used to put his vocals through. I don't remember whether it was the same amp as his guitar or whether it was a different amp. Hmm. But uh, they had this really interesting like setup. And it was one of those things where I went after hearing the record when I first yeah. saw them. Can't be the same bands. Looks kind of weird, you know. And obviously it was, yeah. And they sort of somehow did did the same <laughs> same thing. But um, yeah, it was just it just there was something about it that just, just really mm. impressed me, you know. Something about them and and the way that they did what they did. I bet they were fucking ferocious live. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, it was loud and, and yeah, just, just in your face. Re- yeah, really good. Like like really good. Like that kind of level of. You know the sort of couple of hundred capacity venue yeah. kind of band. You know mm. where it, it, if, if you get those nights where it's like heaving and and mm. and it's just ace, yeah, like a proper like kicking off sort of party at the time. Again, just just in in the UK, like I just think we we do those things really well. I think like yeah, there's always do. like every sort of five years or so, mm. there's like a renaissance mm. of something, like yeah. some kind of thing, and and then you know you, you just get these killer bands. Just, I mean, and, and I like the way that it's always a sort of, it's like a, a total mashup of all this stuff, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. You, like, same with like Tube Lord, like, they were kind of quirky, weird indie, yet a bit sort of shouty and, and quite heavy in places. Mm. And and then, you know, like like bands like um, Blackfish, more on the sort of heavy, sort of screamo math, mm. kind of, or sort of shouty, I suppose. Yeah, I, I tell you, remember that time, like Big Scary Monsters, like an incredible mm. label. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and Hassel, like, yeah. like both those labels were great for, for UK guitar bands. Do you still enjoy listening to an album from, from start to finish? Is that something you like to treat yourself to? I know you were talking about, you know, doing your Spotify playlist and stuff and, you know, when you go route running and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, do you still like to kind of sit down with a piece of vinyl, put it on, put the needle down and listen to the whole thing from start to finish? Or is it something that you kind of struggle with a bit more these days? Or Do you know what? I, I, I don't. I, I, I find that a bit sad saying that, but I, I don't. I, I think part of it is like, it's the sort of the way almost I feel life is now. Mm. So like, I don't, I mean, obviously like this, the last 12 months or so has been a bit different, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but usually, you know, I, I would be all over the shop and sort of my hours, work hours wouldn't be sort mm. of consistent. And I, I would find, I suppose that I never, plus I, I do, I do think I struggle to sort of switch off. Like I, I definitely think like the, the, you know, kind of smoking dope and then listening to an album used, used to be an incredible thing. And I don't yes. smoke anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Track four, mate. Where are we uh, going? Jimmy World, Bleed oh American. My. Oh my! Uh, first oh track. My. So I have my friend Ed Higgs to thank for getting me into Jimmy. This album and this track, it's like again, it's it's one of those ones where I think it's a statement of intent, and it's like yeah. a marked change in their sound and their style yeah. from that sort of maybe slightly more shoegaze almost, or, or that you know kind of just more space and the, the sort of delay and, and that kind of stuff. And then it you know this you play the first track and it sort of smacks you in the face and i just think it's that instantness of it that for me is makes it an amazing 
first track for me it was like it, it was it sort of solidified my uh like my love for them <laughs> you know it's like i I'd, I'd, I'd kind of started to get into them and stuff but then it was just like oh yeah like this is <laughs> this is really ticking all the boxes for me right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and then going forward like uh futures and there were times where it was like all they, they were almost like certain songs that were sickly sweet and it was like this is uh, this is on the edge for yeah. for me of of yeah. like you know is it too much or not and <laughs> and now like it, they're, they're one of those bands where particularly i think that kind of era and that and um what's the album after features and then chases just like where again like in, in a kind of slightly similar way to biffy it's like you can tell that they've got more money and more production and it's like yeah. it, you know it all goes up and it's like uh chases slides chris lord algae production futures is um no it was yeah Gil Norton, wasn't it yeah i mean yeah. Uh, that that album sounds incredible as well yeah, i think ridiculous um, production on futures crazy I just think as as a band, it, it was one of those moments where I was just like, I, I want to do stuff like this, yeah, you know? Yeah, and it, it just yeah. sort of, yeah, it captured everything about that part of my life and sort mm. of the things I was doing and sort of being in a band. And to me, I put that on and it sort of, it just makes me, you know, I can remember like throwing myself around and, and see, you know, seeing them play and, and yeah. you know, just, just being in a mosh pit and, and that whole fist in the air kind yeah. of like, fuck yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's life-affirming shit and for me they were one of the, they were one of those bands like i for me time and time again i have gone to jimmy when uh i've been in in a like a bad place yeah. they're, they're one of those bands that yeah. just lighten me up you know yeah, it's just like, oh, everything's everything's not mm. so bad and it is something to do with that epic I think the epic sound of, of, mm. of <laughs> guitar mm. rock. Mm. Um, mm. You know, that, I just think they, they did that, that emo thing really well. But I think they did it better than everyone else. Hence why I think why, why they're now what 10, 12 albums deep into their career. Yeah. And they're still producing good stuff. The last album was fucking great. The bleed American album, they came of age. That mm. was kind of like the Jimmy world blueprint. They'd worked out kind of who they, you know, what sort of, kind of songs they're going to write and things like this yeah and i don't think they've ever done a bad album they've all been no great. no totally yeah it's so I mean, incredible like band. Um, what, what's the word consistent so consistent and it is always the thing i love about it still it, it's like that they seem to hold on to that um again probably gonna sound really old but that that feeling of youth that's because jim atkins doesn't ever get older <laughs> I mean, did you yeah, did, did you sure. see any of the streams, the live shows they've been doing yes, recently? Yes. I watched the um, uh, me and my girlfriend. We watched the Futures one. I mean, that's Futures, okay. my favourite Jimmy album. And I was just watching it, going, I was like, man, Jim Atkins, man, he's like Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, he just does not true. fucking age. And I'm like, you bastard, <laughs> you absolute bastard. <laughs> and it's crazy it's a, that that Bleed American is is 20 years old this year, man. Whoa, no, that's yeah. yeah. Bleed American is the, is the first Jimmy song I ever heard. I thought they were a new band. I didn't know they'd, sure. they'd had they'd had like two or three albums before then. And like Kerrang okay. TV, Kerrang TV had just started, and it was like they were playing the same four videos every ten minutes. It was like <laughs> it was like uh, uh, Fat Lip, uh, Tribute, Tenacious D, <laughs> uh, I think Foo Fighters, all, uh, all My Life, and Bleed American. I was just like, fuck, who is this band? What? What is this? I like, like I can totally remember. Uh, so yeah, like, like it was definitely you know my my friend Ed, uh, he played uh, Stack Prevails and Clarity a lot, and, and I remember buying Clarity. I think at the time I still like my parents still lived in Chelmsford in Essex, and I was driving from Cambridge back to, to Chelmsford, 
uh, one night early evening. I had the evening session on, and they played Bleed American. It was, and 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 I, and it was totally like, yeah, like you say, it was like one of those moments where because I think you know I, I I sort of knew who they were, and I you know bought an album, mm. so I was getting into, but then all of a sudden it was like almost like yeah. a car pulling over moment where yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. what what the fuck what is, is this? this? Yeah, yeah, it's that <laughs> that that intro. It's that intro straight in, just bang straight yeah. in, snare hits riff it's, it's you know just like in your face the production's amazing on this album because it wasn't there a story that they they produced this and paid for it all themselves because they what they didn't even have a record right, deal okay. i think they got signed to i don't know who what record label they were on with clarity clarity kind of bombed it was only after the fact but like as far as i know that they were without a record deal and they paid for the production of this album out of their own pocket and um, I don't know who produced Bleed American. Was it was it Tom Lord Algy? I can't remember. Mark Trombino. Yes, it was. Yeah, Mark Trombino. I think he did it for free, knowing <laughs> that because he knew how good it was. He knew that he would get paid once the label picked it up. Uh, at the time, um, this album didn't leave my my car for months. I, yeah. I was upset, absolutely obsessed with it. I mean, every song, you know, Bleed American straight into praise chorus. Yeah. Straight into the middle. Straight into, straight into the sweetness. It's yeah. ridiculous, you know. <laughs> and then, I'm so ashamed to say, but it, it, it took me until 2013 to finally see them live. Especially, I think, with, with, with some American bands, I, th- I think it can be harder. Like, you just, mm. for whatever mm. reason, it just never... You know, it never fell on the right night, or yeah, yeah, it was always something like that. The sets they do, they're almost like one of those kind of perfect festival bands these days, because they, mm. when they knock out a greatest hit set, it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. banger it was, after banger. Just want to quickly say before we go on to your last choice, obviously we can't play um, any of the music on the show uh, due to the uh, the glorious copyright police out there. But what I do, uh, I do an accompanying Spotify and YouTube uh, playlist uh, with each episode. Some people can have a listen to your choices and um, concur how awesome they are, frankly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and with that, mate, what's your final choice? So, me, me final one is uh, Idlewild, 100 Broken Windows, uh, and the track is Little Discourage. Again, this this is like a, it's another one of, of, of those, you know, I, I remember, it, for me, this was the first time where I properly got into them. I just heard singles and stuff uh, mm. and then kind of went back to Hope is Important. But mm. for me, it's like, it, it, again, it's just like, in fact, I, I, I quite often cite Broke Windows as the album that's just got me interested in making music, like as in okay. uh, recording music. Dave Ehringer's production on it, I just think is insane. Like it sounds, mm. it sounds almost kind of weird in places. You know, it's sort of mm. like the, the drums are super roomy and, and there's the, like loads of bits where like the, the vocals go like really wide and roomy. And it kind of sounds like a group of people just having a lot of fun with what they're doing. <laughs> and, and since seeing Dave Ehringer talking about it and, and stuff and, and just sort of how it was kind of, he got this opportunity and, and sort of ran with it, you know, and, and just mm. sort of, was very young and they were of the band were obviously very young and and just like trying shit out you know and i just think it sounds i just love how it sounds it sort of it, it there is a sort of unusualness about it yet it still is familiar enough to be you know to just it doesn't sound weird if you know what i mean i just think for an opening track 
it, it, again it's just like a real statement it's just like straight in mm. wicked riff and mm. and just yeah just just really sparked my 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 love for, for them um and i just think it's that thing where i realize i've got i've got some two scottish band there's, there's something about scottish artists i think where you can hear uh like the landscape through their music there's something sort of yeah. whether it's almost yeah. like I don't mean <laughs> in a bad way, but it's almost bleakness or or that kind of vastness. Yeah, I think like Boards of Canada is another great example. Just mm. just like you listen to that stuff and you can just almost visualise what Scotland mm. would look like if you'd never yeah. seen it. And yeah, the same. I, I just there's, there's something very sort of I don't know. It feels like this this band that are from this remote place, but that mm. are making this kind of killer kind of grungy rock it, it, that is, is genuinely one of those albums that i go back to again and again and again and it never gets old like you like you were saying about the whole kind of sort of grunginess of it all but it was like there are yet another example of like you know a british band taking on the americans and doing mm. it kind of better yeah <laughs> in a lot totally. of ways it's like that, that yeah doing it and, but in in our way <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know, you know very kind of sort of british slant on it but this out uh, hundred broken window i mean i i was in with Arda wild from the get-go i heard i think it was self-healer mm-hmm. which is a track off captain the first ep okay yeah, yeah sure. i heard i heard that on like a, a kerrang cd I knew nothing about this band, but I, you know the song "Self Healer" is it's ridiculous. It just it's just white noise punk teenage fury, like you know Roddy just screaming for two minutes. I'd only heard that one song, and then I I, I went to my my first Reading Reading '97, mm-hmm. uh, and Idlewild were playing on the third stage on the Melody Maker stage, like mid afternoon on a Saturday. Awesome. And yeah, man, I I, I was like. I'm definitely going to see Idlewild. I can't remember, you know, everyone else I was with went to go and watch I, whoever, Blue Tones on the main stage. Or something, sure. you know, or, 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 whoever. <laughs> and yeah, I, I went to go and watch Idlewild, man. It was just half an hour of just, you couldn't hear it. You know, it just sounded like a, a piano falling down the stairs <laughs> uh, and then down a cliff. You know, it was, it was sure. mental. Out of tune, noise, confusion, <laughs> teenage wonderfulness, and I remember That's coming out of the, yeah, I just remember coming out of the end of the gig and just going, "That was amazing," but I'm not quite sure why, but yeah, I yeah. know it was amazing. Yeah, and, this, and this. there's something about this band, man, and the way they progressed, kind of the similar sort of trajectory as the way Biffy did it through their albums. And by the time it got to their kind of third and fourth album, like the remote part. Is when the Koran covers started happening and Radio yeah. One got hold of them, and you know they, they then, were a legit big band for a while. Produ- yeah, like and the productions got got really big on the songs, you know, and kind yeah, of it, it, it had like a real like lushness. It was like still yeah. their core kind of sound, but yeah, yeah. this real kind of plushness. To well, I think it. I think Dave Oringa did the remote part as well. I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, you know, the production that happens ridiculous but mm-hmm. yeah like you're saying yeah 100 broken windows man it's still the are the wild album as far as i'm concerned yeah this is the, <laughs> sure. this the one it's why again it's one of those albums where you can just listen you know maybe before we started but where i was saying like uh, you know sort of a bit li- you know listening to me choices but then we'd, we'd end up having the album <laughs> on you know yeah. Yeah, for the next track before yeah. i know it i'd be on like track three or four but oh yeah <laughs> i'm not going to be doing this um, <laughs> uh, idea track was 
yeah for me that was oh like just God. hearing that for the first yeah. time and, and just like this is and still that's in my car having that cranked up loud, mm. like mm. you know singing mm. <laughs> yeah i i still can't i still can't help myself singing along to this album it, it, w- whenever it gets to rosability i have this massive cheshire cat <laughs> grin because you know with the drum style it's almost just like i'm listening to it for the first time again I, I, I think when I was choosing them, it's like a, a, I definitely found that I went through these sort of cycles. It's like I would choose choose records, and then I'd be like, mm. you know, oh, I want to I want to choose stuff that's from loads of different decades and stuff. And then and then I just always come back to to no because I just loved that album yeah. and that song, you know. And and it was almost like a um, yeah. In, in in some ways, it was you know I, I felt like I was trying to be too clever, yeah. and then would yeah. come back and just be like, no, it needs to yeah. be that because I just love it. You know, when they're intrinsically linked to like a core memory from your life, they're the songs that you kind of have to pick, I think. Yeah, the ones you, you keep know. coming back to. And, yeah, and, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that's, yeah, yeah, that's where I sort of came to on, the, on that day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I ask you, if I ask you next week, it's gonna be a completely different five, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, I've been eyeing up modern life is rubbish. Whilst I've been saying. Oh, dude! So, oh, for, for tomorrow. For tomorrow. That, you know. Wow. He, he's a 20th century boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's more an opening lyric. Um, <laughs> oh, oh man, Matt, that's been that's been a fucking lovely chat. Thank you so much. No, honestly, Dave, thanks so much for asking. It's that's yeah. Loads of fun. So there you go. Ace chat and ace choices. Cheers, Matt, for guesting. And to all you lovely lot for lending me your ears. And who knows? Maybe you've discovered your new musical obsession. So please take care of each other out there. And I'll see you on the flip side. I feel kind of basic today. Top five side ones. Track ones. You've been listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, Gaz Jones. Give us a follow on all the social medias at Track One Side One Podcast to keep fully up to date with all future episodes and guests. Where there will also be links to Spotify playlists that will accompany each show. So please check them out. And I'll see you soon.